Hello everyone, Ralph here with another online lockdown edition of Baptist Voice. Do hope you're all keeping well and keeping out of trouble. The gang's all here, and as it's the season of Pentecost, we'll start right away with what my friend in the Salvation Army used to refer to as a right rasper. No, I don't know what it means either, but you'll understand the sentiment when I say it's Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. I don't know who that pianist is on the recording, but he is now giving that keyboard some stick. News from everywhere in Baptist Voice. The Regions with Lindsay, the Colleges from Katie, World of Music from Phil, Youth News from Lucy, Christian Aid News with Claire, and a sneaky little tune from Gareth. A quick peek over his shoulder tells me it's Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Highly appropriate for the season of Pentecost. And I've not forgotten Stephen, our chaplain. Always leave the best till last. That is, unless you're desperate to hear the latest news from denominations with Andrea. The COVID-19 pandemic has obviously had a profound effect on churches. The lockdown has severely restricted ministry in areas such as pastoral care, fellowship groups and serving the community. On the other hand, for those with online access, worship has taken on new and creative forms over the last few weeks. Many ministers and ministry teams have risen to the challenge of operating in the virtual environment. As we pass the most severe period of lockdown, it seems a good time to assess how churchgoers have responded to the experience and what they think the future might hold. How well have people coped with the pandemic? Has it strengthened or has it weakened their faith? 
How has it been for clergy and ministry teams trying to work in this new environment? How have those receiving ministry found this novel experience? Will virtual ministry become part of the post-pandemic landscape and will this be a good move for your church? The BU have developed a survey over the last few weeks in discussion with church leaders and lay people, which we hope will enable you to record your experience of the pandemic, the ministry you have given or received, and what you think will happen to churches in a post-pandemic world. This is an online survey which they estimate will take you about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. Most of the questions simply require you to tick boxes, though there are options to specify your particular circumstances and an opportunity at the end for you to tell them your views in your own words. Alongside questions about the pandemic and ministry, there are sections which ask about you. These are important because they will allow the BU to see how the lockdown is affecting different sorts of people in different contexts. The survey can be completed on mobile phones, though it's more quickly completed on devices with larger screens such as tablets or computers. You can access this using the following link https colon forward slash forward slash T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com forward slash Y-C-S-Q-9 F-Y-2. A national competition is seeking to find ambitious church-based social action projects that are supporting local people with housing needs and buildings. The Cinnamon Network Project Lab Competition aims to find best practices and initiatives and help other churches to replicate them. The two competition winners will receive a £30,000 development grant each and there are up to five places available on the Cinnamon Project Incubator where they will receive support from industry professionals to help them replicate their work for the benefit of communities across the UK. The competition will help churches play a key role in rebuilding their communities and our nation as a whole, says the Cinema Network, Mike Royal, co-chief executive of Cinema Network. It's imperative that every church, from those in rural parishes to black and minority ethnic churches working in busy inner city areas, is equipped to support their communities. Projects wishing to apply could include those involved in tenancy training, housing advice and advocacy, mentoring and befriending, hosting or hospitality, resident arrangement, community self-help, supported accommodation, co-living schemes, temporary use of empty properties. Projects must submit a written application form and a 60-second video. Following this, five projects will be selected to pitch their idea to the Project Lab Final. For more information or to register your interest, visit cinemanetwork.co.uk forward slash project lab. The global prayer movement characterised by mass public gatherings and worship has been radically revamped due to COVID-19. Thy Kingdom Come has been tailored to enable churches, families and individuals to pray and worship in their homes through a suite of adapted resources in line with social distancing guidelines. For the first time this year, Christians are not only encouraged to pray for others to know the love of Christ, but to also practically demonstrate their love and care through action during the 11 days, an initiative called 
prayer and care. In addition to this, the campaign has also developed several new Thy Kingdom Come Despite Lockdown resources to equip people to worship at home. For churches, there is an Upper Room resource, a virtual prayer room where churches can take part in continuous prayer alongside international prayer organisations, 24-7 prayer. For families, the Digital Family Prayer Adventure Map will aid children and young people to explore prayer in a fun way. The map is full of activities based on the daily themes of Thy Kingdom Come and comes to life through an augmented reality app with bonus digital content. A version was also created so families could print the resource at home. There's also an accompanying podcast series and a journal. It is hoped that parish nursing can reach even more communities with the arrival of a new leadership team to build on what has already been developed. Dr Ros Moore and Baptist Minister the Reverend Dr Helen Wordsworth both retired from their executive responsibilities with parish nursing ministries at the end of April. Succeeding them at the helm of this growing ministry is the newly appointed team of Sue Bretherick, Chief Executive Officer, and Anne Taylor, Director of Nursing. Sue has a background in the Christian charitable sector and has mainly focused on people groups who are experiencing high levels of deprivation and vulnerability. Anne is a registered nurse. She began work as a district nurse in 1995 and has worked with the Open University as a practice tutor alongside sessional district nursing. She is also a licensed parish worker. She said, the prospect of integrating my practice as a nurse with my practice as a Christian in working for Parish Nursing Ministries UK is both exciting and has the feeling of vocation. I'm very much looking forward to working with churches and nurses in the extraordinary healing ministry of parish nursing. Helen Wordsworth will now focus on writing and her international work with Westberg Institute for Faith Community Nursing, but will still be available for speaking engagements, teaching and advocacy work. She said, I am delighted with the appointment of Sue and Anne to continue the work and have every confidence that they will lead with faith, wisdom and commitment. She added, in these pandemic times, parish nurses around the UK have been busier than ever, using phone and internet facilities to answer questions on health issues, refer on where necessary, check that all their service users are well supplied with food and other essentials, and provide spiritual care. A vicar described parish nursing as the Christian church's best-kept secret, and urged us to make it more widely known. A number of women in Baptist ministry gathered online on Saturday night to bless and encourage those due to have their handshake at this year's Baptist Assembly. Katrina Gorton explains more. I love Baptist Assembly and, because of my unique situation, I get to attend as a delegate the Baptist Assemblies in both England, Wales and Scotland. Over time, Assembly has changed hugely. But there are, for me, two key moments that make it what it is. The recognition of ministers and missionaries and the in memoriam. Somehow, in these two moments, my own story as a minister connects with those who have gone ahead of me and those who will come behind me. I am affirmed anew for my continuing ministry, reminded, in a good way, of my mortality and assured of the movement of God's Spirit among the people called Baptists. 
It will be no surprise then that I was sad to think that this year, for all the best reasons, these moments would be delayed or even absent. And then it happened. One of the women who had been due to receive her handshake this year posted in our private Facebook group to say that, to mark the moment, she was ordering a special delivery meal, seven beautifully arranged mushrooms as it turned out. Another woman established in ministry said that she would do the same and raise a glass of something non-alcoholic to her sisters. Ideas buzzed and the great unshaken celebration was born. On the evening of Saturday the 9th of May, I watched in awe as little tiles slowly filled my computer screen and one by one women from all over the UK joined our Zoom. The premise was really simple. We gathered the names and where possible photos of those we knew who would have been handshakened to form a PowerPoint presentation. We adapted the prayer from the programme of the 2007 Assembly, the year I had my handshake and added a beautiful blessing from gathering up the crumbs. To celebrate the diversity and inclusivity of our group, these words were shared between women at different stages and in different expressions of ministry. A retired minister, a regional minister, a church minister, a college tutor, an accredited lay minister, and a minister in training. We ended with a toast, in tea, lemonade, wine or whatever, remembering Edith Gates and Violet Hedger, who went before us and saluting our sisters in Christ today. We look forward in hope and faith to the day when we can be together in real life, to celebrate not only the women in our group, but all our sisters and brothers in Christ who have responded to the call to serve as accredited ministers, within our Baptist unions. A new telephone befriending project which enables local churches to reach those particularly impacted by self-isolation has launched Two's Company. This has been developed by a national Christian charity, Linking Lives UK. The charity says the approach provides a tested, tried, straightforward and safe process for local churches to ensure that people within their communities who are particularly at risk at this time can receive regular phone contact from a member of their congregation. These calls could provide a real lifeline for those who have few family members or close friends. The model has been developed over recent weeks. It's based on a home visiting approach which had been used by Linking Lives UK to develop 35 face-to-face befriending projects since 2010. National Director Jeremy Sharp said, When it came clear that COVID-19 was going to have such a significant impact, we recognised that we needed to adapt our core processes and also consider ways in which we could serve churches at this challenging time. Two's company, therefore, began to emerge as a way in which local churches could use their resources, local knowledge and contacts in a way which demonstrates the love of God in a very practical way to those on the margins at this time. The new initiative encourages partnerships with existing organisations on a local level and recommends using telephone volunteer befrienders who have already been vetted for previous roles by the church. 
Each church or organisation running the telephone befriending service will require a coordinator, a dedicated telephone line. Advice is provided about creating free phone numbers. Training is provided via video conferencing by Linking Lives UK to local coordinators and is in turn cascaded to volunteers within the local church. Anyone representing a church or Christian organisation can request an introductory pack at www.linkinglives.uk or email twoscompany at linkinglives.uk. Let's hear from Lucy now about the events on the youth scene. Youth workers who are still being able to maintain their contacts have become increasingly important during these past weeks because not every young person feels safe at home. Sadly, not every young person's home is a nurturing environment. Where some young people may fear being stuck at home, they are safe. But for others, being stuck at home is a place of real loneliness, fear and danger. Youth for Christ have been resourcing youth workers who have the ability to digitally reach out to these young people who are living in unstable homes and the homes of families experiencing grief and fear. For them, Youth for Christ provides weekly subscription resources for youth leaders, children and young people in the 7 to 11s, 11 to 14s and 14 to 18s age brackets to support youth groups with content that is fun, engaging and relevant. Because of the regular rhythm of delivery, our church resources team can be adaptive to moves in youth culture and shape the focus of content so it remains challenging for young people in their faith journey, whether unchurched or as disciples of Jesus. The Youth for Christ Church Resources online portal also provides space for members to access thousands of past resources and use the content builder to design specifically focused content blocks for their youth group or teaching session. These resources are provided on a weekly basis to over 1,000 different youth groups, churches and organisations, reaching over 15,000 children and young people. Many young offenders struggle to maintain contact with their families if they end up in custody. During this time of the viral pandemic, family visits may cease to exist altogether. Here are some statistics. Over 125,000 young people under the age of 18 are arrested each year. Over 20,000 under 25s serve at least one prison sentence annually. For over 10 years, Youth for Christ's Reflex team has specialised in ministry to young offenders and young people at risk of becoming involved with crime, whether in prisons or the community. That work is still continuing during lockdown. In prisons, Youth for Christ partner with local churches and charities to train and support outreach workers. Reflex outreach workers are positive role models who raise the aspirations and self-esteem of young men and women in prison, empowering them with the skills, confidence and character they'll need to realise their full potential. Once in prison, Reflex workers run youth clubs, Youth Alpha, Christianity Explored, chaplaincy groups, accredited arts and life skills workshops and mentoring schemes. They also link young prison leavers with churches. In addition, YSC produce award-winning resources such as My Life. This course is now being used in over 80 locations, helping nurture life skills and character qualities in prisoners, victims of sexual violence, homeless people, ex-offenders and teenagers who have left school but don't have a job or any form of further education. Urban Skills 
YFC run creative performing arts workshops called Urban Skills, designed to unlock young people's God-given potential. Participants often record a music video and receive an accredited certificate. This achievement is the first rung of the ladder, helping them leave crime behind. Here's something to look out for. The Big Voice Choir. It's a youth choir movement that seems to resonate in black community areas, but not exclusively. I've asked Phil to do a bit of research and see where this movement has its roots, and he'll have something for us later. Our searches show a couple of references here in Manchester, the heart of the Baptist Voice country. Both come from Gorton and in the city district. First, Christchurch Gorton, where one voice seems to have a website that has developed a fatal fault. And then there's Trinity Baptist Church. And just to show off what they get up to as a big voice choir, they've recorded Mama, a tribute to mums for Mother's Day, and put it up online. This is the link. HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.facebook.com forward slash watch forward slash question mark V equals 303764103624579. The regional news this month starts with a story from the East Midlands and a fascinating new book. Here's Lindsay to tell you all about it. Miracles, tragedy, heroism, betrayal, revelation, corruption. Adrian Gray explains the background behind his new book and how it is bringing increased interest in Baptist history. He writes, About eight years ago, a few of us from different churches in North Knotts and West Links began to put together a project to celebrate the Christian history of our area. This is intended to support our involvement in Mayflower 400, which has largely been sunk by the Covid crisis. But I also saw two spiritual purposes. History is a great way of getting to speak to secular audiences, while Christians can only be enriched by better understanding of their own heritage. In the East Midlands area, the story really starts in the 7th century with baptisms in the River Trent. Although there is some great medieval material, what emerges after 1500 is how this small region, think 30 miles across, produced many of the key figures of English Christian development after the Reformation. Early on in this work, it became clear that almost no one knew anything about the Baptists, and in most tellings of the story they were omitted. This was especially true of their part in the story of the Mayflower. John Smith, the founder of the English Baptists, and John Robinson, the pastor of the Pilgrims, both came from one village. But guess which one was not even mentioned on the historical information board that used to be there? Under Cromwell, the Baptists saw the door of freedom swing open and many congregations were planted. Then, in 1660, it slammed shut again. What happened next will form the material for a later book. Restless Souls, Pilgrim Roots by Adrian Gray is available from bookshops or usual suppliers priced at £28. Adrian is a member of Retford Baptist Church. Writing on the East Midlands website, Carol Knight, who is a minister at Open Door Baptist Church in Peterborough, explains how and why her Baptist Church's community fridge is still running and how praying each day for daily bread has taken on a new perspective. She writes, Lockdown equals shutdown. 
That was certainly my first reaction. But as we saw service after service close in Peterborough, we asked ourselves, who is going to feed those in food poverty? Those workers on zero hour contracts who fell through the cracks? How were families with children at home going to eat while they waited on universal credit to arrive? The Millfield Community Fridge has been in operation for two years now. We had good relationships with local retailers and all of a sudden, as panic buying ended, these retailers had massive overstocks, especially of fruit, vegetables and bread. Cafes and restaurants called us up as they shut down. Please, would we go and collect their stock? What should we do? Many of our regular volunteers were in the category of needing to self-isolate. How would we cope? We looked at the faces of those who were coming to collect essential supplies and we saw something. People were hungry. There was a desperation. Our decision was made. We were going to stay open. It has been a faith-stretching decision. As schools, the prison, a woman's refuge, a children's charity and a drug and alcohol recovery service all contacted me to ask if we could do food parcels for their clients. I wondered where the food was going to come from. Praying each day for our daily bread took on a new perspective. Trusting God that we would have enough manna for the hundred or more people who were queuing at a safe distance. Not worrying about today because tomorrow had enough anxieties of its own. New volunteers who all lived within a few miles walk of the church materialised. Food has turned up from unexpected sources and we've even received a few financial grants. We've been able to increase the number of days our church is serving the community. For such a time as this, the Millfield Community Fridge is feeding the hungry. Church equals shut? Not at all. Previously, it used to open three days a week and serve 60 people per day. Now it is helping to feed 100 people each day, operating from a table outside the church hall. Deerham Baptist Church marked its 237th anniversary with a special meditation on Psalm 23, put together by members of its congregation in lockdown. Lead Minister Nigel Bailey explains more. We have been putting out daily messages through our YouTube channel since the lockdown began and people have been finding them a huge help. Many have said they feel more connected to the church in these days than they have previously. We run our Sunday service on YouTube and we have also been recording songs as a music team. The video of us singing Here Is Love Together has been hugely appreciated. As part of that, we saw a video of worship leaders in the US reading Psalm 23 and thought it was a really fresh and powerful way of engaging with that famous psalm. Mark, our technical expert, was confident he could put it together. He spent many hours cutting together the video and I asked one of our musicians, Graham, if he could put together some music to go along with it. To see the final productions, go to Deerham Baptist Church on YouTube. Scroll down for Here is the Love and Psalm 23. You won't be disappointed. More from the regions in a little while. Now, I did give him a boost at the start of Baptist Voice. It's the professor himself with the hymn Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Number 282 in Baptist Praise and Worship. 
Thank you, Gareth. And I see that's the last of the hymns on his list, so next month will be a surprise for everyone. When I toss it up, he normally does six months planning at a time, so that's going to take us right up to Christmas. Now, that's a frightening thought, isn't it? Will we still be socially distancing at Christmas? Well, that's my spot under the mistletoe gone for sure. Who knows? It's a long way off. We've more pressing matters to deal with at the moment. Here's Claire with news of Christian Aid's response to a super cyclone in the Bay of Bengal. Christian Aid and its local partners are responding to super cyclone Amphan, which has destroyed the homes of millions of poor and vulnerable people residing in coastal communities across the Bay of Bengal. With winds reaching 120 miles an hour and waves of up to 17 feet, Amphan is said to be the worst storm to hit the region since Cyclone Sidra in 2007, which killed more than 3,000 and left millions reliant on international aid. Electricity lines and communications are down across affected regions, but now must cope with both the aftermath of the storm and the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Communities in Bangladesh, including Cox's Bazaar, home to the world's largest refugee camp, were urged to evacuate to the 16,000 official evacuation shelters on higher ground to escape tidal surges, with 2.4 million people making the move, according to official Bangladeshi government reports. In India's West Bengal state, 500,000 people were successfully evacuated from low-lying areas and 150,000 in Odisha. Christian Aid's Bangladesh country director Pankaj Kumar said, We are in a very challenging time. Many people are scared of catching COVID-19 and it has hampered our partners' efforts to get people to safety. Temporary shelters are having to practice social distancing, which is extremely difficult in an emergency evacuation situation. Many people are preferring to take shelter in a neighbour's house or on higher land over the official shelters, especially as there are reports of shelters lacking sufficient facilities. The organisation is mobilising its Bangladeshi partners in Satkira, Kulna and Cox's Bazaar and plans to support affected communities with shelter, food and hygiene kits, including soap, masks and hand sanitizer. In Odisha and West Bengal, India, Christian Aid's local partners plan to provide tarpaulin sheets for shelter as well as mosquito nets, ground mats and solar lights, soap, safe drinking water and food. As two cases of COVID-19 are identified in the Cox's Bazaar refugee camps, which are home to more than 850,000 Rohingya people, Christian Aid is urging governments to take immediate action to protect the already vulnerable population. In the camp, deemed the largest refugee camp in the world by the United Nations, physical distancing is not possible due to the crowded conditions. A third of households do not have soap or regular access to water and access to health care is poor, with 29% of households reporting that one or two members of their family already have an illness requiring medical attention. As the disease continues to spread, people will be unable to earn a living, causing widespread hunger and extreme poverty. Christian Aid's Bangladesh country director, Pankaj Kumar, said, This is alarming news as the disease will no doubt spread rapidly. Like much of the world, We are subject to lockdown rules, but this is disrupting the essential humanitarian aid the refugees rely on, leaving the Rohingya further at risk. 
For a community largely reliant on food, water, healthcare and protection from organisations like Christian Aid and its local partners, this is a grave concern. Christian Aid is also calling for neighbouring nations to support some 800 Rohingya refugees being held in quarantine off the coast of the Bangladeshi mainland, 300 on the poorly equipped and flood-prone Basan Char Island, and 500 on a ship currently at sea. In a document released at the end of May, ACT Alliance, a network of 135 faith-based actors and churches operating in 120 countries, calls for attention on the gender dimension of COVID-19. Women are afforded fewer rights than men worldwide, and although the disease itself might cause higher mortality amongst men, it's clear that the social impacts of COVID-19 will impact women the most. Making up the larger chunk of the informal workforce, women living in poverty do not have the ability to take time off work, have adequate access to housing to self-isolate or to stockpile provisions. Poor women, girls and vulnerable groups are least likely to be able to access health care and treatment, especially in most of the world where health systems are largely based on patients' ability to pay rather than on their need. In countries in the Global South like Brazil, India and Kenya, among others, many economically vulnerable women live in densely packed slums and access to medical pay and good health care are only available to wealthy individuals, mostly men. ACT Alliance, together with its members, has launched a global appeal to support the most marginalised communities during this crisis, as well as providing pastoral guidance and spiritual support in the recovery phase to prevent and reduce fear and stigma. When Claire returns in a little while, she'll have news of a welcome cooperation between Christian Aid and Islamic Relief, who've pledged to work together on issues relating to COVID-19. Next up, it's Katie with her college news, and she has news of even more events being cancelled. The event at Luther King House, Thinking Theologically About Higher Education, scheduled for June 18th, has now been cancelled. However, the event in July, the Lay Preachers Conference, is still going ahead, but subject to review. It's on between the 9th and 10th of July 2020, slightly later than normal, and hosted by the Northern College. This year, the theme is prayer. The topic was chosen by the attendees at the conference in 2019, at the request of those who attended in 2019. There will be Bible studies, worship-focused sessions, and opportunity to work practically. We are not offering the Saturday session in 2020, as there will be a one-day course offered in synods later on in the year. They look forward to seeing old friends and new. A full programme for the conference is now available and can be downloaded and or distributed by going to the Luther King House website and a PDF flyer for the event can be downloaded and printed by going to the same source, lutherkinghouse.org.uk. Bookings include lunch and supper on Thursday, along with lunch on Friday, with tea and coffee throughout each day. The cost for the Thursday and Friday is residential £150, non-residential £100. To book a place and for further information, please ring 
01612492504. Our Bristol Baptist College say that even though they are closed, if you feel you are being called to any kind of ministry, be aware of the various flexible options at Bristol Baptist College to study theology, ministry and mission, and be better equipped to serve Jesus. They ask, would a one-to-one conversation be useful? If so, a video call with one of the college tutors can be arranged. In this time of social distancing, we have a unique opportunity to stop and reflect on our lives and think about where God may be leading us next. Tim is the ministerial tutor and has 25 years of church pastoral experience and the past four years as a ministerial tutor at Bristol Baptist College. He is a friend and a mentor to many who exercise Christian ministry in churches, chaplaincies, children, youth and family roles and pioneering contexts. In 2018, he designed the Disciple Makers Programme for church interns and those who remain on the front line for Jesus in their regular paid employment. At whatever stage you are at, feel free to get in touch with Tim at welcht at bristol-baptist.ac.uk. As reported last month, the South Wales Baptist College have suspended face-to-face teaching for the rest of the academic year and the college building is now closed to visitors. They say, this is a difficult and disappointing decision to have to take. However, we plan to keep things going as far as possible, primarily through digital means. We will be increasing our regular contact with students and continuing the programme of worship, prayer, teaching and assessment with modification. Interviews will be held virtually and we will endeavour to keep our supporters informed of any opportunities to engage with the college. For example, the valedictory service will continue in some form on Saturday the 4th of July. The college's text for the year challenges us to love God, love our neighbours and love ourselves. May we know God's wisdom in balancing these priorities. We welcome your prayers for students, staff and trustees as we pray for you in this challenging time. Email is now the preferred means of contacting the college. Admin at swbc.org.uk is the first port of call. Thanks, Katie. And moving on with an interesting submission this month, music-wise that is, from Phil. This is an unusual turn of events. Normally, I scour the internet and the gospel music press to bring you up to date with the latest news. This month, however, I've been upstaged by Lucy, who's challenged me to find out as much as I can about a musical movement called the One Big Voice Choir, which seems to have gained a toehold in the Manchester area and sounds like a lot of fun. Well, it all started in 1999 in Australia when six schools came together to sing. By 2015, they were organising three events, and in 2016, 
They had 4,000 students from 57 schools taking part. Well, the organisers say that their mission is to have as many young people as possible singing positive, uplifting, life-affirming songs. One Big Voice is Australia's largest children's choir, open to all schools, public or private, years three to seven. Uh, OBV culminates annually in two massive concerts at the RAC Arena in Perth, Western Australia. Well, over 7,000 students and their families celebrate this year in joyous affirmation of the life-changing power of song. Now more than ever, OBV believe that we need to keep on singing. They are throwing open the doors and taking our mission online, providing access to songs, videos, activities, competitions, resources and much more. Well, Plato said music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination and life to everything. It started with two church schools here in Manchester. I wonder if they'll build it up to top this recording from Perth in Australia. 7,000 children singing with 10,000 parents in attendance. We are the children.
Thank you, Phil. What a fabulous sound. If we got all the schools in Manchester together, all singing at once, and their parents, we could fill at least the Manchester arena. Sorry, I'm getting parochial now. Where's Gareth Malone when you need him? Let's turn our attention overseas instead and look at the church worldwide. Here's Andrea. The 14th of May marked Leah Sharabu's third year as a captive of the Islamic State West Africa province, an offshoot of the notorious Boko Haram terrorist group. Christian Solidarity Worldwide and others continue to call on the Nigerian government to do everything in its power to ensure Leah's immediate and unconditional release. CSW calls on Christians to pray for Leah's release. As the world continues to contend with the coronavirus, there are many for whom COVID-19 is just one more threat on top of many others they've faced for years, and for whom threats to their lives and livelihoods are likely to continue long after this pandemic has passed. This is indeed the case for many Christians in northern and central Nigeria. CSW receives news of attacks, abductions and intimidations from these areas on a near daily basis. Church leaders are particularly vulnerable. A Christian girl called Leah Sharabu has come to represent the plight of many in her country. Leah was one of 110 girls abducted from their school in Napchi, Nigeria on the 19th of February 2018. Five of them died in captivity. The following month, the surviving girls were put into vehicles and returned to their families, following government negotiations, but Leah was not among them. The sole Christian in the group, Leah, who was just 14 at the time, was told she would be freed only if she renounced her faith and converted to Islam. However, in a show of inspiring and unwavering bravery, Leah refused. She has remained the terrorist captive ever since. In July 2019, ISWAP released a video in which an abducted aid worker implied both Leah and Alice had been executed. However, this was quickly discounted. Instead, reports indicate that both Leah and Alice are alive and well, in spite of their circumstances. In an interview with Nigerian media in January 2020, another aid worker released by the terrorists reported that she had met Alice during her captivity, who confirmed that Leah is still alive and is currently being held at an undisclosed location. In a video, the General Secretary of the Baptist World Alliance, Elijah Brown, encouraged Baptists to join together in a movement of worldwide prayer, praise and response that helps us stand together with a global church that is suffering. Two thousand years ago, Pentecost marked the beginning of a truly global church that's called to reach the nations, he says. As we celebrate Pentecost this year, our world is truly in need of the hope that only Christ and his church can provide. Here are several ways he is encouraging Baptists, small groups and churches to stand together. Stand together in worship. Join a virtual worship gathering featuring praise and prayer from around the world. Go to baptistworld.org forward slash Pentecost. Stand together in focus. On Pentecost, remember the global church as a small family group or church through a unique prayer. Illustration, 
video or other focus with free resources available again to go to baptistworld.org forward slash Pentecost. Stand together in giving. Give personally and ask your church to designate a portion of the offering received on Pentecost to the BWA Standing Together Global Response Plan. Give at baptistworld.org forward slash give. This Pentecost may the Holy Spirit unite us and rekindle our faith as a global family that's united in worship and generosity to reach the nations, said Elijah. Genesis Achaia used to sleep in his shoes. Living in an internationally displaced persons camp during the Civil War in Uganda, he never knew if he would have to outrun soldiers in the night or walk with them if he was abducted. These are his lessons for living through a crisis. Thankfully, since the end of the Civil War, Uganda has seen a number of years of blessed peace. BMS World Mission worker Genesis has been able to support local farmers in relearning vital farming methods, almost lost through those years depending on the sort of IDP camps. But the years of hardship felt in Uganda have helped its people prepare for future crises. As the UK and Uganda alike steel themselves against the coronavirus pandemic, BMS World Mission spoke to Genesis to see what advice he had for UK Christians in these trying times. In 2000, we had Ebola in Gulu and many lost their lives. We are living the life of 20 years ago again and the news from around the world, especially Europe and the USA, makes us worry. What if the spread increases? Shall we be able to contain it? We are scared, but we have hope in God. I know that the coronavirus will affect the world and for us for some time, but I believe at one point it will go. God will intervene and give wisdom to people who will come out with answers to the virus. The war has prepared me to look at what takes place around the world. Therefore, I pray that God will comfort and heal the families affected. The communities are very worried too. There are no church services, no schools, no public and private transport. Only those riding bicycles and motorcycles, on foot and driving trucks carrying goods are allowed to move. No one is allowed to carry anyone, not even a sick person, unless permission is granted. Farmers have to cycle for 45 kilometres or more to buy hoes and seeds, etc. And those who cannot ride have to pay more or resort to low-yielding seeds. Access to seeds is already a problem, as well as an increase in the prices for the seeds. If the farmers miss proper planting in the first rain, then we are looking at famine around June and July. The advice from Genesis is, Trust in God. Every day and every night during the war and up to now, I know that humans still have limits, and at some point the cross is everything. Even if the coronavirus was not there, everyone, at some point in their life, will have a moment where they need everlasting hope and comfort that no man can give, only God. And now, some tips for lockdown from Afghanistan. BMS worker Rose has years of experience living through lockdown after weeks of uncertainty and limited human contact you might be struggling to cope with lockdown. But here's the good news. This too shall pass. In the meantime, we caught up with some lockdown pros to get their top 
tips for surviving and maybe even thriving in isolation. If you're a foreigner living in Afghanistan, being on lockdown isn't wholly unusual. In fact, it's often scheduled in. Big political rallies happen. Stay at home. Elections. No one is leaving their compounds. At other times it comes out of the blue when violence erupts unexpectedly and being an expat on the street is just asking for trouble. Rose spent 12 months living in Afghanistan and she saw just how seriously a BMS World Mission's partner in the country takes the security of its whole team. As an extrovert, adapting to life in a new country with many more restrictions, I learnt a lot from my teammates who were adept at living through times of lockdown. I thought you might like to learn from them too. So she got back in touch and asked them for their advice for you. Now she's back in England and this is the first time she's had such a plethora of ways to keep in touch and internet resources at her fingertips. I used to spend lockdowns very carefully conserving phone or handheld radio battery power because of limited electricity, which meant keeping communication short and essential, says Rose. A few distractions in previous lockdowns, prioritising time with God, may have been easier for Rose than it is for us, but it's still her top tip. Use the downtime and peace, assuming that's possible, to really seek God and spend time with him, she said. That's a good investment, though it takes self-discipline. Development expert Tim has just one top tip, but it's a good one. If you're blessed to be isolating with other people, grab a board game or a pack of cards and enjoy each other's company while keeping your mind active with a bit of strategy and competition. If you're on your own, there's lots of games you can play with family and friends, over a video call, of course. After more than a decade living in Afghanistan, Catherine, who heads up a BMS mental health work in the country, has learned that balance is key to keeping family harmony and happiness during prolonged times of isolation. We're managing to enjoy being together and getting enough time without people to be happy by balancing planned and spontaneous activities like special food, TV, looking at old pictures and that sort of thing. She also suggests having some meals apart with each family member, making and having their meal when they want, so that they sometimes have the freedom to be alone and eat in peace. Catherine is also benefiting from the perks of empowering her teenage children. If you also have teenagers, perhaps you can follow suit and put your feet up. I would highly recommend putting kids in charge of all food arrangements. I've just got to task the shift of actual grocery shopping to them too, and my life will be easy. If you've young children, the weather is fine, she suggests. A water fight. It's horrible not knowing when this will all be over. This is not an easy time for anyone. It's heartbreaking not being able to see loved ones, reading reports of rising death tolls, and maybe even losing people we love to coronavirus. But while we grieve, and while we try to make the most of this time, it's important to remember that life won't be like this always. Remember that it really won't go on forever. Life does not look like this forevermore, says Rose. And Ruby agrees. This too shall pass. We will get through this, and what's more, I pray we are stronger on the other side. 
I know Lucy, our youth correspondent, spent at least one night of the shutdown sleeping in a tent in the garden, but she didn't enjoy it, so she came back indoors, got on the computer and began looking up whether there were any safeguarding courses running. Safeguarding is a very important aspect of any level of youth work. Young people need to feel safe when they're at church or on the church premises. Church members need to know that those they've placed in charge of working with children are of the highest calibre and have received training that is not only strict, it takes into account the latest development in childcare. We usually achieve this by having a rolling programme of training and updated procedures. It's very unlikely that 10 years ago anyone would have thought that an explosion in the use of smartphones by children and the dangers that can introduce to them would be a topic for lively debate among youth workers but now it is. And Baptists Together tell us that safeguarding training events are suspended for the time being. They say that all volunteers should be encouraged to read the Gateway to Level 2 Safeguarding booklet to cover all bases of safeguarding, even though they will not be able to start work for some time. It is important to stress that this is not an alternative to attending the Level 2 Excellence in Safeguarding course. It is also likely that those who already feel vulnerable will feel increasingly so over the months ahead. We must recognise that the new social distancing requirements, the restrictions of self-isolation and the need to rely on others for help all present challenges and that there is also a risk of people being taken advantage of during times when they are worried and uncertain. Please remind all church workers and volunteers of your reporting process in case they hear anything that concerns them and to act promptly to report if concerns arise. The Association Safeguarding Lead in your regional area and the National Safeguarding Team are available to advise and support. Please do contact them if you want to talk about how to work safely or if you have any concerns. Always make sure that you have that contact number handy at all times. Scripture Union is often the go-to organisation when arranging a youth event. They normally offer summer camps, short courses and holidays. This year, a paragraph on their website says, It is with great sadness that we've made the difficult decision to cancel our holidays and mission programmes this summer. However, we are working on a whole range of online events that you can be part of this summer. More details coming very soon. Keep an eye out, therefore, on the Scripture Union website, https colon forward slash forward slash content.scriptureunion.org.uk forward slash holidays dash events. The organisers of the National Youth Ministry Weekend have said that they feel it's unlikely to be cancelled, so they are going ahead with the planning since it's scheduled for the 13th to 15th of November. However, if it does have to be cancelled or postponed, we want to reassure you that if that were to happen, you will be given the option to get a full refund or just to keep your ticket and use it for the next year's event. Just to whet your appetite, they are promising a time of encouragement, support and insights you need to grow in your calling alongside 1,000 other delegates. There will be speakers, seminars, an exhibition and the venue is part of Resorts World in Birmingham, a huge development of cinemas, spas, restaurants and shops. The cost is £140 for the whole weekend. You can book and gather more information by going to https colon forward slash forward slash www.youthscape.co.uk forward slash NYMW.
Thank you, Lucy. And let's venture overseas again now. Here's Claire with her second part of Christian Aid News. Two leading faith-based British charities are today standing together to urge the UK and other governments to recognise the crucial role faith actors are playing globally in tackling the coronavirus pandemic. Christian Aid and Islamic Relief are also supporting health workers and other frontline workers in their efforts through their international and UK programmes and by praying for them with their supporters. The two organisations are expressing solidarity with millions of Christians and Muslims alike who are unable to worship in traditional ways at churches and mosques at this time. This expression of solidarity by the charities, which represent two faiths jointly in the Abrahamic tradition, comes during the holy month of Ramadan, a time of fasting for Muslims around the world. Patrick Watt, Christian Aid's Director of Policy, Public Affairs and Campaigns, said, Around the world we have seen that faith actors have a vitally important role to play in helping people stay healthy and safe. We urge the UK government and other governments around the world to recognise the crucial role of faith actors during this crisis. And at an unprecedented time when mosques and churches are not accessible in the old ways, we urge people of faith, wherever they are, to worship in the safety of their own homes where possible. Britain's longest-running fundraising week has taken an innovative approach to shifting its fundraising online during the coronavirus pandemic. Christian Aid Week, which kicked off on Sunday the 10th of May, has reimagined its fundraising during lockdown by turning away from the traditional red envelopes posted through letterboxes that have been iconic through its decades-long history and creating a digital envelope that supporters can pass on to neighbours, friends and family. The e-envelope can be personalised with images or video clips and can include a fundraising target so people can receive progress updates by email. The annual fundraising week unites 50,000 volunteers and 12,000 churches to fundraise to help some of the world's poorest and most marginalised communities. But this year, the organisation has been challenged to raise money in new ways, as physical fundraisers, including house-to-house collections, big brekkie events and sponsored sporting events, have had to be cancelled. As well as the digital envelope, the charity is running daily quizzes and live-streamed religious services that supporters can take part in from the comfort of their own homes. A quiz featuring former Archbishop of Canterbury Rowan Williams, Gogglebox's Kate Botley and the Reverend Giles Fraser as quizmasters saw more than 500 teams take part on a Facebook premiere event to raise money for Christian aid. Fundraisers can also take up a 300,000 steps challenge throughout May, which is being run through Facebook. Chris Morris, digital lead at Christian Aid, said, Before the coronavirus crisis arrived in the UK, we had already been working on the digital transformation of this much-loved fundraising week. While the crisis is devastating for so many, including the communities in which Christian Aid works, it has accelerated our thinking in digital innovation and pushed us to engage new supporters and younger audiences in new ways. It's a testament to the team and staff across Christian Aid that we were able to pivot our plans so effectively. We're looking forward to seeing how digital can lead to stabilising our fundraising in new, sustainable ways at a time when the world's poorest and most marginalised need us the most. To find out more about Christian Aid Week's digital fundraising, visit caweek.org slash virtual resources. 
a Dedham and Ardley vicar, is to climb the three peaks on his stairs for Christian Aid Week. Dedham and Ardley's Reverend Anthony Wilson is set to climb 3,407 metres, the height of Britain's three peaks, at home to raise money for international charity Christian Aid. The well-known challenge, which sees participants climbing Snowdon, Ben Nevis and Scorfell Pike in 24 hours, is not possible during the COVID-19 lockdown. So Anthony, vicar at St Mary's Church Dedham, decided to tackle it at home in Dedham. He's hoping his neighbours and parishioners will help him in his quest during Christian Aid Week. As he estimates, he'll have to climb his stairs 1,362 times. A lot for one person. Anthony, a former chaplain in the British Army, said, Every year the people of Dedham and Ardley come together with bake sales, sponsored runs and other fun events to raise money for Christian Aid Week. But this year we can't get together. I thought this was a creative and fun way to raise some funds, while also keeping in line with the government's guidelines on exercise. The work of Christian Aid is just so important, especially now, when people in poorer countries are a lot less equipped to cope with coronavirus than we are in the UK. I've invited my friends and neighbours to join me in my quest, as it is a bit much to try and do it alone. Will my legs cope? But I'll give it a go. Coronavirus impacts everyone, but love unites us all, and Anthony's three-peak challenge gives us a chance to help our global neighbours. Christian Aid Week can't be a community celebration in the usual sense, where people come together for sales and big brekkies and special services and such like, but Anthony shows us how community can still thrive in different ways. Christian Aid is currently responding to the crisis in 13 countries around the world, for example in Myanmar, where our local partners have distributed soap to over 30,000 people and distributed 2,000 surgical masks. Please support Anthony, if you can, so we can help more vulnerable people protect themselves. You can support Anthony by donating online at www.caweek.org. To find out other ideas about how to celebrate Christian Aid Week digitally, including a 300,000 Steps in May challenge, visit caweek.org slash virtual resources. Thank you, Claire. It's good to hear that although Christian Aid is running with a reduced staff at the moment, their valuable work is still getting done. We turn to the colleges again now with Katie and she's news from our Scottish College. The Scottish Baptist College Northern Hub has been in operation now for just short of 12 months. The Scottish Baptist College, SBC, agreed with the Baptist Union of Scotland, BUS, to explore ways the college could expand its provision of education to a wider audience in the Scottish Baptist constituency. As a first step in this process, Professor Andrew Clark was appointed to operate from a Northern Hub. Under his supervision, the Northern Hub aims to deliver training and education as an extension of the college and facilitate flexible learning opportunities for church members. It is designed to 1. Serve the Baptist constituency in Scotland initiating conversations with churches about training and education. 2. Advise ministers about courses delivered by the college that will enhance their work and offer opportunities for CMD. 3. Support students, individually or in small groups, 
who are undertaking college modules on a blended learning or distance learning basis. All inquiries can be directed to graham.michaeljohn at uws.ac.uk. Spurgeon's College is passionate about training men and women for Christian ministry, mission and leadership in the contemporary world. They are also passionate about Charles Haddon Spurgeon, their founder and the most popular Christian preacher in the Victorian world. At this time of pandemic, like all charities, Spurgeon's College is affected financially by the coronavirus and therefore they and their supporters and friends are raising money to continue Spurgeon's work and continue his legacy so that students can continue to train and preach the good news of the Christian gospel. On Friday 8th of May from 9am, the college and its friends from around the world read from Spurgeon's sermons, letters and other works for 24 hours. Through this they wanted to remind people that Spurgeon's words are still relevant today, whilst raising money to continue his legacy. They started at 9am with a reading about joy and peace in believing from the current college principal, Dr Philip McCormack. The whole event was split into half-hour segments and conducted over the meeting platform, Zoom. During the 24-hour session, they took in readings from all around the world, from colleges and universities in the USA, to contributions during the night in the UK from Australia, finally returning to Spurgeon's College in London with a second reading from Philip McCormack with a reading about God rejoicing in the new creation. The whole event was broadcast live on YouTube and several of the segments are still there for supporters to hear. Search Charles Spurgeon and see how many you can spot. In common with other institutions, the Irish Baptist College is physically closed, but for those looking for a course or to enter training there, there is a virtual open day with several videos online at www.irishbaptistcollege.co.uk. For those seeking further training and a postgraduate qualification through the Baptist Seminary in Amsterdam, they have published a statement on their website. Many are wondering about how corona measures will affect higher education in the coming academic year. At IBTSC, the main message we want to communicate is that we remain open to new applications for the PhD programme which starts in January 2021. The IBTSC doctoral programme is mainly delivered online so we have been able to adapt quickly to the coronavirus situation. Universities here in the Netherlands are working with the campaign title On Campus If We Can, Online Because We Can and this certainly reflects our own approach. Our academic work is not in lockdown and teaching and research continues mainly uninterrupted. However, we recognise that people's plans and priorities have been disrupted in past months and some things have had to be put on hold. We are looking at our own procedures so that we can accommodate these changes. 
One measure we are taking is to stay open for new applications right through to Friday the 2nd of October 2020. If you are interested in registering for the doctoral programme, full information can be found on our website www.ibts.eu forward slash programmes forward slash and you can book an informal conversation with Mike Pears, the IBTSC Director. Email pears at ibts.eu. Ralph will be back with the small print shortly, but not before we've had a final roundup of news from the regions with Lindsay. An NHS nurse and Baptist Church member has spoken of her appreciation after six artists painted her portrait during the COVID-19 pandemic. Kit Torres, a member of the Filipino International Church who has worked as a nurse in the Northumbria NHS Trust for 16 years, entered the hashtag Portraits for NHS Heroes initiative recently. Portraits for NHS Heroes is the brainchild of Oxford-based artist Tom Croft, who offered to paint a free portrait of the first NHS worker to contact him and encouraged other artists to do the same. It quickly snowballed, with hundreds of artists all over the UK offering their talents as a way of thanking all key workers for their service at this time. Kit submitted a photo of wearing glasses and a face mask alongside the caption, Behind the mask, a warrior breathes, fighting to save lives amidst the fear. Our Lord gives us strength to face each ordeal. We may be worn out, but with your grace, let triumph be revealed. She was stunned when the submission resulted in six artists painting her portrait. The response was truly overwhelming, Kit said. Six artists! They sent messages thanking me for all my effort and how they truly appreciated the services that all key workers provide, especially during this pandemic. It is such an honour. As a Christian and a nurse by profession, this has made me realise how blessed I am that I can somehow share my services to humanity in the best way that I could possibly can. During the pandemic, Kit has been assigned to the orthopaedics trauma unit, dealing mainly with emergency cases. The patients she deals with are all admitted via A&E, so anyone could be COVID-19 positive. She said her faith in God has strengthened her and been strengthened during this time. Hence, I work with all my heart, knowing that God is with me. He knows my destiny, and while I have the strength to keep going and help other people in need, I will do it. To see the portraits, search Baptist Times on Google, click on Latest News and then Northern Baptist Association. They are stunning. During a period of self-isolation, Baptist Minister Richard Littledale wrote a child-friendly book about social distancing. He explains more. He says, I have to confess that I'm a little cautious of all the fighting talk relating to the coronavirus pandemic right now. To describe it as a battle suggests that it can be won by grit and determination alone. The emphasis on the front line leaves those who are on the back lines in the support roles cast out of the limelight. However, there is one positive element to it. The sense of doing your bit for the war effort has brought the best out of all of us. This crisis has made many of us more inventive and more resourceful than we ever thought we could be. This is where Albert comes in. 
Albert is the mouse and a little character I invented a few years ago. He is now in the process of telling six children's Bible stories for Lion Hudson. It was out of a conversation with a friend at Lion that Albert's latest project was born. In mid-March, I had to self-isolate for two weeks as I was showing some symptoms which suggested it wise to do so. Thankfully, the symptoms are all gone now. In the second week, my friend at Lyon suggested that I might like to write another book in the time I had, and I quipped that I could always write Albert Does Social Distancing. The idea simply wouldn't go away. I contacted Heather Hayworth, whose gorgeous illustrations have brought the Albert books to life. Just over a month later, Albert Does Social Distancing was launched. It is a free download PDF book which explains in a child-friendly way why we need to isolate. There is even an interactive page at the end. It has been formatted for A4 so that parents can download and print it at home if they would like to. Since the project went live, many in health and social care have been advocating it as a resource and in its first 24 hours, Albert's little story had over 400 visitors. It seems like Albert is doing his bit and I'm glad to help him. Richard Littledale is Minister of Newbury Baptist Church. You can download Albert and Social Distancing by visiting their website. Here is a message of hope from a child. Abiyoa Dabor, 12, attends All Nations Church in Clapham, where her parents, Tony and Prudence, are members. Prudence is a frontline worker. One morning, Abiyoa wrote the following message and shared it with her mother. We quote an extract here with their permission. Even through this coronavirus pandemic, we should look to God and not lose hope in him. We need to be using this as an opportunity and discover the godly way of facing trials and tribulations in our own individual lives and as a community. We should suffer with joy, just like Paul and Silas in the prison, and be patient, knowing that after all this pain, it will be better, and those who kept strong and hold of their faith in Christ will be rewarded more than they'll ever know by the Father. Jesus talks about a special peace that he gives to us as a gift. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This peace that God gives us is free to take, but it's also free to lose. Never forget that God will willingly try to come through to even the most evil of all people to show his very best. If Jesus could change and turn around the entire life of a persecutor on his own name, who's stopping him now? Miracles can happen. Sometimes the best way to get through to people is indirect communication. Videos, stories, movies, books are all indirect. So go for it. Don't let anyone stop you from fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life and others surrounding you. By doing this, just like for Job, your works will not go unnoticed by others and God. And remember, you are not alone. Thank you, Lindsay. Despite all that's going on, it's good to see that there's still plenty to talk about in the regions. 
Now that small print, as far as the tapes or CDs or memory sticks supplied free to qualifying members, Baptist Voice is available online at www.baptistvoice.co.uk or as a podcast from iTunes for you to download and keep. If you know of anyone who is visually impaired and would appreciate a copy of Baptist Voice, you can contact us at baptistvoice13 at gmail.com or write to us at Baptist Voice, care of Greenfield Church, Ermston, Manchester, M410TY. Baptist Voice is sponsored by the Northwest Baptist Association and all the items included are either in the public domain or reproduced with the copyright holder's permission. If we missed a copyright notice anywhere, somewhere along the line, just let us know and we'll remove the offending item immediately. The next edition of Baptist Voice will be along in the first week of July, but we've kept him waiting long enough. Here's our chaplain, here's Stephen. Hello, I hope you're well and safe and as okay as can be in the current circumstances. Back in the day, in the late 80s, The BBC went through a phase of simulcasting Top of the Pops, broadcasting it at the same time on BBC One and Radio One. So all the groovy pop pickers, I think that's the down with the kids term, could either watch it or listen to it, or both if they really wanted to. And this reflection is a little tiny bit like that, in that it's being heard both by listeners of Greenfield Church's audio services and by listeners of Baptist Voice. So hello to you all, and I guess that means I'm kind of talking to two different audiences at once, and that probably makes sense on Pentecost, because that's kind of what happened then, the only difference being that I've only got to speak English whereas they had to speak the multitude of languages of the crowds that were gathered in Jerusalem for that great festival. Fortunately, they had the gift of the Holy Spirit who enabled them to speak in these ways, and I hope and I pray that the same Spirit has been speaking through all that you've heard so far, and will speak through these words of mine. What happens when the Apostles begin to use that gift of the Spirit is quite astonishing. The people hear it and a huge crowd gathers, presumably outside the house where the Apostles were gathered. In fact, maybe you notice that there's a lot of gathering going on here. The people gather in Jerusalem for the festival, the Apostles are gathered in one room, and then that greatest gathering of all the crowds gathering outside the house to hear these words they mysteriously understand, and then Peter's electrifying sermon, which leads to a gathering of more than 3,000 people who came to faith that day. Wouldn't it be great if that happens now? I mean, I know it can't happen right now at this precise moment because of lockdown, But wouldn't it be great if something like that happened? A word, or many words, spoken by the church catches the attention of people and gathers them around us to hear what we have to say. A few years ago, churches together in Ermston put on a celebration of Ermston service. 
The idea was to gather together not just the members of all the churches, but representatives of all the societies, organisations, schools and so on that make up this town. Now the Mayor of Trafford came, as did our MP, Kate Green, and lots of people from all the churches came. But I don't think we had one person come from any of the organisations that we invited. Now I'm sure that they all had really good reason to not being there, signed in triplicate, a note from their mum and all the rest of it, but it kind of illustrates for me how hard it seems for so many of us to do or to say something that catches people's attention in a good way, that gathers people together to hear the good news. And we can look on what happened at Pentecost and think, wow, I wish that happened today. Maybe we can actually feel a bit jealous, if we're honest, or worried that the Spirit's no longer working through us. But here's the thing. Pentecost isn't the end of the story. We're tempted to hear about wind and fire and speaking in other languages, to hear about breathtaking sermons, thousands of people responding and think that's it that's what it's all about if only that could happen now but the story goes on through the book of acts and the movement of people changes it quickly stops being about the people gathering around the apostles and becomes about the spirit leading those apostles out out beyond that house in Jerusalem, out beyond Jerusalem itself, out beyond the borders of Israel, out into hated Samaria, out into the Gentile, sometimes ungodly, regions and countries of the known world, out into cultures, ways of life and languages that were foreign to them, out to discover that their mission wasn't to make those people the same as they were, but to show them this gospel in those cultures, ways of life and languages, sometimes going out willingly, sometimes going out because of invitation, sometimes going out because of persecution, sometimes going out because the Spirit physically took hold of them and placed them in the right location but always going out, the Spirit working in every circumstance to take this message of good news in Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. Now I must admit, I sometimes bristle when people say, the church must get out of its four walls, because we do. We don't spend 24-7 in our church buildings, even if sometimes it feels like we do. At the end of every service, we do go out of the doors that we came in through, back out into the world. And during the week, unless there are very good reasons, we normally do at some point go and spend time in the world. The problem, I think, isn't that we never go out from our church buildings. The problem is that we think it's just about going home or going to the shops or whatever. We forget that we're being sent out, led out, by the same Spirit who came at Pentecost, who led out and sent out those apostles so that they could obey Jesus' commands to be witnesses to him. Now, I know 
again that this is a lot harder during the lockdown. But it's not impossible. Technology, of course, brings a whole host of fantastic ways to do this, even when we must remain at home. Email, social media, Zoom, YouTube. There's so many possibilities. And the supposedly old-fashioned ways mustn't be forgotten either. Phone calls, letters and cards mean as much or more now than they ever did. We have so many ways of going out, of facing the world, of remembering that we're not called just to spend each day as any normal day, but in everything to be witnesses to what Jesus has done for us. We might not always know how to do this, but we can trust that that same Spirit who came at Pentecost, who spoke through the Apostles and then led them out, whom I hope has been speaking through these words, will lead us, empower us, and send us out, not on our own, but with him. Let's ask him to do that, now, when this lockdown ends, and always. Let us pray. Send me out from here, Lord, to a world in need. Lord God, whose Spirit came upon those first Apostles at Pentecost, and whose Spirit still dwells in our hearts today, help us. We know the world needs to hear of your love, your care, your mercy and grace, perhaps more than ever. But often we don't know how to respond, how to go in Jesus' name, what to do or to say. Or maybe our good intentions get buried beneath the pressure of daily living. Thank you, Lord, for your promise never to leave us. And thank you that you are always leading us, no matter what, and that you will keep us safe and secure. So come, empower us and lead us out once more, in this time of lockdown and beyond. Help us to see every step we take every place we go, every person we see or speak to, as part of our witnessing to you, and of all you've done for us and for them in Jesus. We pray for all those that we know and love, and especially at this time, all those who are hurting, grieving, suffering, fearful, lonely and isolated because of coronavirus. Be their peace their comfort, their healing and their friends, through your Holy Spirit, who lives and reigns with you, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Praise to you, send us out.
Yeah. 